My guest today on the podcast is Jay Yao. Jay is a recording engineer, mixing engineer, and producer for the podcast, The James Altucher Show. Linking with Jay was a really cool experience for me because James Altucher is someone who I've loosely followed for well over 10 years now. And James has a book, not Jay, who I'm talking to in this episode, but James. James has a book called Choose Yourself that really stood out to me years ago, and it helped me at the perfect time. In fact, I think now would be a great time to revisit that book and read it again, too. There was one thing that James talked about that he did, and it was offbeat and it stuck with me all these years later. I think about it every week. You know those cashier checks that servers would use to write down orders at diners? Well, he would order stacks of those, and then he would challenge himself to make lists all the time, saying that you get better at making lists the more you do it. It's kind of like a muscle, an idea muscle. So he would suggest making lists of 10. Didn't matter about what. For example, if you were stressed about money, you could make a list of 10 ways to make extra money. Or if you're feeling down, you could make a list of 10 things that would make you happy. I thought it was a fun and creative way to exercise your brain, and I've done it on and off for 10 years, and I still think it is a great exercise for creatives. Anyways, back to Jay. Had to throw that in there. (laughs) Loosely related. So in this episode, Jay shares his journey of how he got into the world of audio engineering and podcast production. He also gives some great tips through his story about networking and how to approach finding work in this industry. Whether you're a podcast producer or just remotely interested in audio production, you'll definitely want to hear this one. A quick note about this episode before we dive in, I'm leaving this one unedited. I'm actually thinking about increasing the number of episodes I do here on Digital Podcaster and the interviews that I feature with people. And part of that might be including more raw episodes like this. So if you enjoyed this, I would love for you to give me a shout on social media at Digital Podcaster. Here's my conversation with recording engineer and podcast producer, Jay Wow. Please enjoy. This is the show for creative entrepreneurs who have a message to share and want to live a life of freedom. Learn how to grow your network and net worth. Hear from exciting guests and more. My name is Dylan Schmidt and welcome to Digital Podcaster. Jay, do you mind introducing yourself to my audience who, by the way, I don't know if if anyone's told them today, beautiful audience, one of the most beautiful podcast audiences that listens to podcasts, just so you're aware. Um, But do you mind introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Jay. Uh, I usually go by Jay the Engineer because you know I I love tech, I love production so much. So I just go by Jay the Engineer. Um, yeah. So uh, I started. So I'm from Malaysia, and then I came to the states. Uh, you know, I wanted to win a Grammy so badly. I'm like, I'm gonna come to the states, go to the school here, and then try to win a Grammy. And that dream seems way off right now that I'm in podcasting. Yeah, so I came to the What would the, the Grammy be for, by the way? Like, what would it... I yeah. So my ideal Grammy would be a... Um, I think best, best Mixing would be. Yeah, so Best Mixing or Best Producing would be would be the category that I would want to win in any... Can we practice in, in real pop. quick? And the nominees sorry? are... That's what <laughs> oh, yeah. And the nominees... Right. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, so... Before I came to the States, I'm an engineer in uh, in Malaysia as well. So I went to school uh, went to the School of Auto Engineering, SAE. I'm not sure if you heard about it. Uh, school of Auto Engineering, and then I start interning at I think 18 
uh, or 17 or 18 in studios while I'm going to school. So I have like a lot of experience in the studio scenes. And you're 19 with, now, right? Sorry? You're 19 now, right? Uh, pff, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I'm 35 now or 36. 35. But, yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, 19, 19 sounds so long ago. Uh, but yeah, so like, you know, I was well versed in the, in the audio audio side of things and then after a while i'm like i want to win a grammy i really want to win a grammy i'm like how can i do it so i look up school in the states because that's the easiest gateway to get into um you know to the states and get into the industry and i look up fusil university in florida so i went to florida uh for school and when i got to florida i have a huge culture shock I didn't know anything about Florida men or Florida white men until I get to Florida and I see like how crazy things are in Florida. But yeah, so yeah, so I went to school in Full Sail and then I went to New York City I, after I graduated um, uh, because my friend was there. So I started interning in different studio. I was actually fired from a studio, from a well-known studio when I was interning. Because uh, are you still in Florida, by the way? No, no, I'm in Georgia right now. Georgia now, okay, okay. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure you know now. What, what? How old were you when you moved to the U.S.? Oh, I'm pretty old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm. I'm pretty sure I'm already like 23, 24 when I came okay. to the states. Yeah. So I've been um, working in New York uh, in in Malaysia for a while before I came here. So you've been definitely in the U.S. long enough to know that like there's the U.S. And then there's like people from Florida and then there's like, it's kind of like so different, you know, like yeah. people <laughs> in their like pockets of living. <laughs> yeah, so you got uh, fired from a studio. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you which studio it's, uh, it's called uh, Avatar Studios. Uh, it's weird that they, that you can fire an intern. Um, so the reason why I was being fired is, um, you know, I was really excited to, you know, I was really excited and uh, I was so happy to land an internship in Avatar Studio. It was a dream studio. It's called, it's now it's called the Power Stations. Uh, you know, and then the hierarchy back then, now I think it might be a little bit different. The hierarchy back then, uh, if you work in the studio scenes, you have a very defined hierarchy. You have in, you have intern and then you have GA, general, uh, uh, general assistant. And then you have assistant engineer and then you have engineer. And then of course you have boss and management and stuff like that. So I'm at the lowest, at the lowest of the, the, the totem pole. So the practice is every, uh, I, I, I think we only do three days a week. So the three days we get in uh, the studio at like in the morning, eight o'clock or so. And then we have to, is a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very, um, historic studios in new york city so they own the whole building uh and it's like three or four floor so when we go into the studio when we open the, oh, we first of all we have to wait for them to open up then we have to go to our own floor uh you know where we put our stuff and then we have to go to basement to grab all the cleaning supplies all the paper tower paper uh, everything and then we go floor by floor floor to clean everything, like from toilet, you have to be splotless, and then um, you have, and then you have to refill the 
the hand soap and everything. And then when you refill it, you have to make sure they don't see any air bubble in there. So there's a very, very strict rules. And then, uh, you know, go each floor by each floor. And then, uh, and then, you know, uh, you know, then, then we grab all the, you know, all the trash and everything that, that usually takes an hour or an hour and a half. So that's the life of an intern in, in a classic studio scenes. Um, yeah. And so it's something yeah. a lot of people aren't aware with or aware of, you know, like I've interned at a studio here and the owner was like from New York, from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. New York, grew up in like, you know, lifelong New Yorker, except he moved to California. I think like maybe this, this time it was probably like five or 10 years before I had met him. Um, and he was just like, man, you don't know how easy you have it. I'm not going to make you do all this stuff. You know, when I was like, you know, interning, it was like so different. And like, he would be talking about the eighties, you know, like the things we had to do. It was basically like, reminds me of like a motorcycle outlaw club that was basically like, you got an extra you know, bury a body for us. If we ask you to, you better be driving out with that body and, you know, take it. It's like, I thought we're just making music and songs. (laughs) No, that's how it is. I mean, now it's different. I think now, you know, everyone's like, ah, I'm going to be kinder. But back, this is not that long ago. This was uh, 20, I would say 13 or 14 or 15. I can't remember, but during the time, and and yeah, that's exactly what we have to do. And we have to take turns and go out and buy groceries, like supplies, like, you know, coffee. And it has to be a specific farmer's market. And then buy, like, you know, if the client today requ- uh, require, uh, ask for fruits, we have to go and buy fruits. If the client is like, hey, I want beer right now or i want something you have to go across town and get it for them no matter and then you have to do it as fast as possible you can't be like and we're not yeah and we're not even touching like gear or tracks that a client is doing at first it's like don't even look at this thing yet because you might mess it up you know and it's like i just got here um, and specific yeah. ways of like dusting and cleaning. Yeah. There's so much more cleaning and housekeeping involved when starting out. And it's funny because I think now with how creative people are coming into it and we have these ideas of like, Hey, I want a Grammy or Hey, I want to like make music. Like we have somewhat similar backgrounds, even though, um, like I'm born and raised in the U S but like similar in the sense, like you know, same age. I want to do audio engineering, same thing, studying audio, audio engineering and thinking like, I'll be able to flex some creativity upon this role that I'm embarking on. And I am dusting and, you know, being as orderly as possible and cleaning out coffee makers. Like there's, there's not much creativity there. It's more actually like militarized, a version of housekeeping that feels like yeah. stressful. <laughs> it is, but I mean that. I mean, I, f- I think there is a benefit of doing For those sure. things first because yeah. that sort of train me or train people to to be paying attentions to the little details. Pay attention to details, like you know, like oh, you want the you want make sure everything is spark, you know, 
you know, sparkless. Is it called sparkless? Uh, sparkling or, you know, dustless yeah. or whatever. Like clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, if you feel your hand soap to like the top and no air bubble, that means, you know, you're like, you're doing everything right. So that's a, there is a benefit of doing those things, but, you know, it's, it's, it's hard work. Uh, one yeah. thing that I realized that if, you know, if an intern doesn't do all those things, then, you know, like you, you, you sort of able to see, uh, in the future, like when they do other things that, you know, they maybe miss a track, miss, they miss like a E, they miss like some sort of like chain or something like, you know, something like that. So, yeah. yeah. And the, the social aspect of it, managing relationships, you know, with yourself on showing up on time and the discipline, you know, of doing all these tasks that are required repetitive tasks and then managing like how you are with your coworkers and those things. Like I definitely see the value in it. It's just to me was funny of like, Oh, you know, and then on top of that, uh, you know, the, the owner saying like, you don't even know how nice I am to you right now too. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what to do with this, but I did. I will say I, maybe this is like a tribal thing. I I found a way to increase my value really fast as like an intern by social media, because this was like 2013 around the same time I was 2012, maybe um, somewhere around there. And Instagram was like popular, but wasn't like, it was kind of mysterious. Like how do we make cool photos? And I was really right. good at making cool photos of the studio. So it was kind of nice. Cause I like would bust out these things on my own feed. And I was just like, Hey, and they were like, what do this for the studio? It's like, all right. And then it just became this like Dylan's like got this, you know, thing that like was kind of mysterious at the time. Now it's probably different maybe. Um, but at the time I was like, Oh, I got my own little value thing going you know, did that's not translate. Really smart. Yeah, that's really smart. Well, I don't have any value. That's why I got let go. Uh, I remember <laughs> the reason why I got, it's not the reason why I got let go. I, I just, uh, it's sort of a rant a little bit. So I messed up one time. It was a Bill Cosby sessions. I mean, you know, right now we can't mention his name anymore, but yeah, yeah it was a so Bill Cosby session. probably a good thing. You should have been promoted yeah. that you messed up something. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so I have to change water cooler. I never changed the water cooler before. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it. And then I do it. I spill the water, the whole tower. So I have to clean it out, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then, and then, uh, that after a day or two goes by, you know, I, I'm like, I wasn't reprimanded for or whatever. I'm like, I guess, I guess, uh, it's like a good lesson. You know, I just have to be more careful the next time. However, a few days later, I was supposed to go on the run to buy like supplies, like coffee, fruits and stuff like that. So I bought them. I bring the change back. Somehow the receptionist, uh, the receptionist wasn't a fan of me anyway in the beginning because I was too chirpy. Like every, everyone in the studio looks like a zombies, but I came in. I'm like, Hey, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Everyone's like, Oh, this guy. But, uh, yeah. So I, I, I bring back the change. She was on the phone and she calculated and then she write something down. And then uh, a few hours later, she rang me and she's like, you missed some money. I'm like, what? I This is all the money that come back with it. She's like, no, 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 You, 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 you missed out a $10. There's, there should be a $10 in here. I'm like, no, I calculate everything. It's there. And then she's like, just don't do it again. I'm like, okay. And then the next day I came back and I'm like, that's something wrong. I, because I was never, I, and, Math is not my strong suit, but you know, I 
I'm not. My math is not that bad that I will miss any money or any cash. And then I look at the paper that she wrote. So she was circling something wrong. So it's supposed to be a ten dollar something. So when she circled, she circled the one alongside the 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 number. So she so she's that's why she didn't see the ten dollars there. I'm like okay, and then I uh I brought back down and I talked to her like hey I think you missed this blah blah and then she's like just don't do it again. The next morning I got called into the uh to the the boss uh, office and then he's like you know we didn't see you grow here I have to let you go I'm like what? what I first of all I didn't do anything like wrong I I told her that uh you know and then I told him that okay this is what happened. And then she, he looks very confused. So obviously, you know, uh, she he didn't know the whole story. And then he's like, he's like, okay, okay, yeah, I, I'm sorry that we have to do that. I'm like, okay, yeah. So I I, I got let go from from uh, from the studio, but where, but then I found yeah. another studio. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, so you went to another studio after that. Yeah, I went to another a smaller studio after that. Uh, it was a project studio. Uh, it was a pretty modern studio so they don't have the traditional input list or, or or gear list or gear inventory so when i went to the studio um even though i'm an intern so i you know i i give them the ideas like hey you know maybe we can do this you know we should have the input list so i created an input list i created a gear list i created a uh inventory list so you know in studio when people book the studio especially for drums and instruments they will always want to see what microphone you have, and then they want to plan beforehand, right? That's that's what engineers do is pre-productions. That's what we are great at. It's pre-production. We plan everything. We plan every outboard gear, every input, what the positions is, where what microphone do we want to use, how many channels are we using, and who is coming and what's coming. So I create a whole system for the studio, and then eventually they're like, okay, this is cool. And then I became an assistant engineer right after that incredible incredible and i guess fast forward me maybe just a little bit into how did you get into producing podcasts i'm not gonna lie this is totally luck (laughs) this is totally luck uh like podcast was was not a thing back in 2015 right it was like very small very small and it was like expensive and kind of like hard you know it is so. Uh, I was so by then. I uh, I already uh, sort of part time engineer in the studio, uh, you know. But what I do mostly is voice uh, voiceover post productions uh, because that's my strong suit. Uh, I'm great at. Uh, I'm used. I used to, but I'm not sure if I can do it anymore. I used to be able to record voiceover like ads. So when they're when the as at they are as they are recording, I can quickly punch in and punch out. And then when they record the next phrase, I can already sort of start editing while they are recording and then they're listening at the same time. So by the time the recording is done for the first take, they already have 80, I already have 80% cut or, or everything done edit. Uh, and then they can listen back. So people, people like, you know, there's a phrase in, in, in studio scene is, you know, uh, you want to save your clients money. You want to help your clients save money, then they will come back more. You know, it's not, it's not sitting there, take your time and charge more. It's more like you sitting there, try to help them save money, and they will want to come back again. Uh, yeah, so I used to do a lot of voice uh, post productions, voice editing, 
Oh, sorry, voiceover. And then James came on with uh, Stephen Dabner. So my boss, James Altucher, uh, the host of the James Altucher show, and also Stephen Dabner, the host of uh, Freakonomics. Uh, yeah, so they came on. I'm like, oh, I've never done this before. But they came on with a engineer first. I know, I'm like, oh, I've never done this before. And then I, I assist the sessions. I set everything up, make sure everyone has water, which is very important. No one realized that. When you go to a studio, the first thing you want to bring them is water. Um, yeah, and then they come back again, but this time without engineer. So I started recording, and then I'm like, "This is very interesting." So I told my manager, "Like, hey, if they're coming back on again, please book me on this." You know, uh, you know, I'm I'm good at uh, voiceover and post productions, and there's only a handful of people want to do voiceover sessions in our in our studio so you know i jump on that and then that's how i got into podcasting to start recording for uh for james altucher and then um soon did you after take that over, like the main did you take over the main engineering of that or did you um because you were you said you were the like assistant engineer um yeah so how did that uh, transition that, so that time was uh so um, the, so I have multiple roles in a studio. So I'm tech manager, assistant engineer, and also engineer. Um, assistant engineer being if someone, if some engineer book our studio, they need an assistant because they don't know the studio. They don't know the patch bay. They don't know the, the console. So they, they're still good at their stuff. But as you know, each studio is different. Every studio is different. Uh, you know, the outboard gear is different. The patch bay is different. The way the workflow, the signal flow is different. The panel is different. So you usually want someone to be someone. Uh, you, you usually need an assistant there to help patching things. And also the role of assistant engineer other than helping the uh, engineer is, so if anything goes wrong, like in the studio, like technical or whatever, you can troubleshoot it while your engineer entertain the, the, the client to sort of diffuse the situation, make it less intense. So assistant engineers' role is actually pretty pretty important in, in any kind of studio scene. But uh, yeah, so that time uh, they brought on an engineer. I was there to assist them because I know the studio. Uh, I know the patch band and stuff. And then when they booked the studio again, they're like, hey, we just use one of your engineer. And then the engineer uh, that recorded them, his name is Nathan, he would just send me uh, what he need, what he wants. Uh, then I would just set up and record for him and then send him the files. Yeah, so that's how, how it sort of transitions over. But at the same time, I still have multiple roles. I still assist in the studio. And I have a, a great friend and a mentor that I work with. Uh, his name is Ryan Kelly. I still assist him in like different studios. So uh, the, to, for, to your listeners, so sometimes engineer doesn't just work out from one studio. We usually go from studio to studio. Depends where the client one and what the client needs because every studio is different. And did you? So did you then? Like, was James like, oh, like I like this guy, like, or was he like just booking more time? And then, you know, how did that relationship, yeah. I guess, come about? It's it's kind of strange. So James and I has uh, we went we made we made up a origin story of how we met. So 
the origin story, the made up version is James found me on like a Chinatown and I can't speak English. And he picked me up. He's like, oh, Asian kid can do all the, all the engineering <laughs> stuff. And then he started teaching me English and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's the makeup origin that, that we agree on. But uh, so what happened is uh, I started doing more of their sessions. And then, you know, back then, podcasting is still very new. It's all audio only. And that's not many social media going into it. Like you said, like social media is still very new. Instagram is very new. Facebook's been around for a while. No TikTok, um, you know, stuff like that. And um, what happened is I'm like, okay, I started recording. And then I'm like, oh, it would be great if you have a picture with your guests at, you know, at the end. So what I started doing is I started taking picture um, during the recording and after the recording. So I'm like, hey, I took some picture for you. You know, you can use it however you want to, and then I send it to you. So I, I always make sure I take that extra time and do the extra thing. I over deliver, and um, and with the podcast engineer, it's also so when I started recording, um, back then that's no, that's not the script. That's that's Premiere Pro, but the function is very limited. That's no auto switching speakers, you know. So and then I and then I was uh, recording. And I'm like, well, it would be great if I can, you know, save everyone time. So I started out as you know recording multi track, just the multi track, and then I tell myself, I'm like, this is not the best way to do things because then he has to edit everything, he has to re-listen everything. So what I started doing is because sometimes they have a very quick turnaround, so they have to edit right away. So what I started doing is I started create a whole template. I do live mixing and live printing. So for the listener that doesn't know what's live printing, uh, live printing means I'm recording the final product of the session. So on top of the multi-track, I route the multi-track to another track that I can, uh, that I sort of mix down to it. And then I do live mixing. If someone is talking over each other, I quickly pull down no more than 3 dB because that's usually the sweet spot. And then, you know, so the good thing of doing that is they can use the files right away if they want to release it the next uh, next day or at night. And if anything goes wrong uh, uh, or some edit they have to re-edit, they can reprint again from the multi-track. So I started and doing all this. Sorry, go ahead. And what's the difference between that and say like a Joe Rogan style where it is not edited whatsoever, really? It's just like they start and stop. Right. Does that make sense? So, yes. So the difference, I think it's similar. Uh, the difference is uh, the engineer wanted to, the producer, but uh, the Dan producer wanted to be more storytelling. So they will move story around. Whereas Joe Rogan is like, hey, this is what you get, and this is what is up. And um, I'm not sure if Joe Rogan do any editing at the uh, like multi track editing at all, uh, because I think he has a switcher, right? I think he, has, yeah, I think I they're using so, the yeah. Blackmagic Adam, and then they switch it. So the by doing the multi track into printing track is that let's say I mess up a mix, I mess up uh, automations, I'm uh, or what we call a write. A right means, you know, if some, a right means moving the fader. So if I mess up the right, I can mark it on Pro Tools 
and then I can go back and then I can rewrite it again because the multi track wasn't affected. The only effect, the only thing that's affected is my final output. Um, so I can quickly just do it that way. And then back then, Pro Tools doesn't have doesn't have the offline bouncing capabilities. This is how long ago that was. So they still have to re-listen the whole thing anyway if they bounce it. So even so, if I do that, at least they can export it. You know, not applying any plugins that can export it and then just call it a day. So, so my my whole idea for this for then was to speed up with the workflow as much as I can. And yeah. would you edit out like? Would you edit much like? And so you're also having to listen to right. So you're like right. there at the computer hearing everything, closely paying attention. Yes. what's happening live. Yeah. So, right? yeah. So I'm. So back then, I was only the engineer. I was only the recording engineer. They have a post production engineer. So if anything that's wrong, I marked it. I marked it on Pro Tools, and then I would send them a note like, "Hey, this happened here. That happened here." And then it's up to their discretion if they want to, uh, if they want to take it or not. I just I have to clarify. So when I first started with James, I'm only a lowly engineer. So I'm the person at the board. I'm not producing anything. I'm not editing anything. They have their whole team that do it. Uh, but yeah, so that's how I started with James. And then what happened is the studio closed. The studio, you know, it's it's expensive to run a studio in New York City, even though it's like, even though if it's a maybe a twelve hundred square feet, um, uh, like space, it still costs like at least fifteen to twenty five k a month for the rent. It's expensive, right? So wow. the owner doesn't want to do it anymore because, you know, less and less sessions happening. So I reached out to James. I reached out to a lot of the, my clients, but specifically James, like, hey, the studio is closing. I love working with you. Uh, the producer is in Florida, based in Florida. So she can't really be in the sessions anyway. She doesn't know anyone in, the, in, uh, in New York City. So... I'm like, hey, I have this network of studio that I know. I can book the studio for you, and then I can help you handle all the studios schedule for you. He said, yeah, sure. Then I started working, uh, as not exclusively, but uh, I started booking with James more and more. Um, and then eventually, they just call me if they need anything. Uh, then, yeah. So that's how and I so started like, working with James. And Sorry. you're like, I could save you time, basically. I can make this way easier for you. And it's a no brainer for him to say, yeah, why not? Yeah. And also, yeah, because like you, what we want to do, what our, what our job is as an engineer, as a producer is make the host life easy. You know, that's, you know, we want, you want to save them money. Uh, you want to help them save time. You want, you want to remove as many frictions as possible. Let's put it that way. Yeah. 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 And do you still like fast forward to your current way of producing uh, his show in particular? How do you do it now? Like walk us through your current workflow. Um, so at a higher level, not like, you know, it doesn't have to be super granular, right. but <laughs> I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can speak as, as specific as you want, but um, I I, I, so <laughs> I have a multiple workflow throughout the time. So, you know, it was, I didn't know anything about podcasting back then. I'm like, I'm going to use the most expensive microphone in the studio and start recording. I was using U87. 
for podcasting, and that was a disaster because condenser microphones, two people. For people those that don't know, up. how much how much does a U uh, U eighty seven you said? 80. Uh, yeah, How U87 is, is actually not that bad right now. Let me look it up. Uh, the price has been different. U87, you can get it, you know, for thirty five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, <laughs> before U87, uh, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I want to go all out, so uh, I would use a Neumann M149. That that thing costs fifty eight hundred dollars. So you know, it's not for that bad. You know, too, I love it. Yeah, but yeah. that shows also where, you know, you think in like studio, you're like, we got to make this basically like an audio book, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this to is going to make be it sound as good as possible. You yeah. know, you'll, and I did voiceover my whole life. So I'm like, I'm just going to use a voiceover microphone. And how bad can it be? And then that was a big mistake because, you know, you have guests that, if the host comes in, you're like, fine. He knows the, sh- he knows the whole sh- shrills. He knows how to like, you know, take care uh, of the mic and stuff like that. And then you have a guest come in that doesn't want to take off their jewelry, that wear like a velvet, uh, not velvet, but like some jacket that move around and keep picking up by a condenser microphone and two condenser microphones across of each other. You have crosstalk, depends how far or how close you speak, uh, you sit. And I'm like, okay, never again. So then I went to SM50, uh, SM7, and then I'm like, that's great. SM7 with... Uh, uh, cloud lifter that's that's a sweet spot right there so yeah, yeah so i started uh working with that i started working uh, uh in the in daw the digital audio workstation i started working with multi-tracks so two tracks only two tracks and then i started bringing in uh, i called a i called it a print track so you have three tracks and then uh as time goes by we started working with videos you know Back then, that's not the script. So videos, and then I'm like, okay, so crap, videos. So it would take them a long time to edit if they have to go through, you know, minute by minute, second by second to see the camera angle, to look for the camera angle. And then my workflow involved two, five tracks. So two multi-tracks, one, actually, sorry. Yeah, two multi-tracks, one print tracks, and one more print track just for editor. So what I would do is, uh, when I record podcasts in person, I don't let my host and guests wear headphones. I have a uh, speakers in the studio for talkback. That's it because I want them to be as comfortable as, as possible. Like wearing headphones sucks. I mean, you know that, right? Especially in your microphones, like you're wearing yeah. right now, it sucks. It hurts your ears. Yeah. Uh, so I don't let them wear headphones. They don't have to hear me anyway because if anything, I can just talk to your speakers. I just want to make sure that's no feedback. So what I do is. I will pan my tracks left and right uh, and then record into a mono print track that's for the audio producer and audio, no audio producer, sorry, uh, post-product engineer on the audio side. And then I will have another stereo track that's hard pan left and right. So just by looking at the waveform, you can tell who is talking and who is not talking. So you just put there, you can sort of see like, okay, at this point, I have to, I have to like, um, you know, I have to uh, switch to that camera. At this point, I have to switch to ca- that camera because you can see the zero track. And the reason why I'm not giving him the multi track is because it's not dealing with audio. So I give him the the stereo track. It's already that's already mixed because I mix it, you know, 
uh, while I'm while I'm uh, recording. So the audio that he gets is already eighty percent done, eighty to ninety percent done. Once again, saving a bunch of time. <laughs> yep, saving a bunch of time. He doesn't have to listen, and and also people have to realize there's a difference between video editor and audio editor. Video editor, some some of them, I'm sure, like there are people that are really good at audio and really good at video, but most of the time, people that really good at video doesn't care about audio. They don't do crossfade. They don't put any plugins. Maybe they will put a denoise and call it a day. They don't treat their voice. So you probably still need an audio editor before, uh, audio engineer for, for the video. So that's why that's why that's the reason why I did that. Um, and on the on the mod track, I uh, I have the noise running at the, uh, real time. I have compressor running in real time. So I already treat the noise, treat the treat the voice, uh, and shape the voice however I want to before you know everything and then now fast forward to right now we're doing everything remote life is easy we record everything i put it into this script and then split the speakers and then export it to pro tools and then treat it there and then that's my final product so you're editing you do the initial edit in the script yep and then Story and edit. what are you using to do the actual recording uh squadcast love squadcast, squadcast. Uh, yeah, shout out to Squadcast. I you I haven't used Ecamp. I mean, I'm sure they are great. Uh, I use Squadcast and Riverside. The I found you know I, the reason why I stick with Squadcast is I don't care about all the features in Riverside. To be honest, uh, maybe some people like beginner cares because you know they will need all the help. But I already have Pro Tools and Descript for post productions anyway, so. I'm not using all their features. Um, the reason why I like Squadcast is so. Let's say if someone in the in in the in the recording has bad internet, Squadcast somehow they still manage to make it uh, workable. And like you can, you still can see people. You're not pixelated. You maybe hear some delay, but it's not like terrible. But on Riverside, if one person's internet is bad, forget it. Like all you see is pixel. It's like you're playing eight bit console again, playing eight bit games again. And yeah, then it's sometimes frustrating. you can hear the Yeah, it's very frustrating because you want the chemistry to keep going, even though it's uh even though it's remote, you know, yeah, the least you can do is make sure you can see the person so you can feel the connections, you know. So yeah, so oh, that's why I, I, I go with Squadcast. Yeah. And do you think uh, with the, do you run into, or I should say, let me ask this the eighth time. Do you, have you run into any sync drifting issues with Riverside? Yeah, uh, with Squadcast? Uh, we didn't use uh, Riverside. Uh, oh, you didn't, but have, um, didn't did use. you ever, you, okay, so you didn't use, but with Squadcast. I mean, I use it once. I use it once. It does have a drifting, but that was a while yeah. ago. That was, uh, that yeah. was during the lockdown time. So still yeah. has it. Uh, still has it. Yeah. Yeah. Still has it, but in in Squadcast it has, but it's not as uh, bad. That's the good. worst you can, the worst you will get is delay if someone has a bad internet. So the delay, I believe, is caused by the ping issues. So if you have bad internet, your ping is longer. The 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 internet has to like the the data being sent from your computer to the ISP to the server. It's it takes longer time to get there. 
that's and then to come back again so that's 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 what we call ping uh and um uh, and that's why sometimes you have delays because you have a you have a long ping you have a long ping yeah i think that's how you call it yeah so okay so squadcast and then squadcast to descript and then you'll export to pro tools does james yeah. do a video podcast as well yeah so uh with video i usually just use whatever it's in descript because it. it's, so just, I, I, I wish there's a program that can do two ways. You know, I wish this program can be like, hey, we're going to take this, this script into Pro Tools and it will sync right back when it's done, you know, but that's not the case, unfortunately. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And they do have the export options from Descript, but it's not the same when no, you bring yeah. it into yeah. back into yeah, because Descript. W- because when you when you put in when I put it into the Pro Tools, I would do a lot more finer editing, like crossfade, like uh, crossfade, bringing down like the gap, and then plugins, plugins introduce delay, so you know, uh, and this and that. So yeah, so like I do a lot more final editing uh, in 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 Pro Tools, and then I put music, I edit music run it in there, do ducking and whole shebang and a multi-band and, and everything and then go. So like, there's no way that I can do from Descript to um, Pro Tools and then back to Descript. And also I have to clarify that a lot of people are like, hey, you know, we can do everything in Descript. Not really. Descript is a tool. It's not a DAW at all. So people have to realize that. It is limited, unfortunately. And I would love for Descript to be able to just knock out everything. But like you start entering two tracks in and all of a sudden you're like, this is a different thing. Also with just freezing and locking up stuff. Like I've, you know, I work in Descript every day and it's run into issues that I just work around, but yeah. So, and uh, they have update every day. Everything <laughs> like respect the thing. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah, the only thing reliable, like super reliable with the script, is that there'll be a new update available. You need to restart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's that's, that's for uh, sure. Like that's as yeah. certain as taxes. Like you're gonna you're gonna have a new update to do. I w- yeah, I wish they would do it before you open the application. When you open <laughs> know, the application, the I, would, I wish they were like, okay, installing update, and they're like, okay, yeah. I'll go get a coffee or whatever, and then come back. And yeah. that. Now it's like. Uh, I opening when it wait for it to load. Go grab coffee, oh, yeah. come back, update, restart again. Yeah. I'm like, Ugh. Oh, and then also when I just downloaded a project and then I go to export, but then it needs to download again. I'm like, wait a minute, I, you've already I, downloaded. I get it. You already downloaded. I, yeah, I where does it? What was it before? What where were we at before? I know. Oh, the track is just in my in my files. Yeah. Like, why are you? What are you downloading? Yeah. I don't know what you're downloading. So, yeah, what are you downloading? It's, it's already been yeah, downloaded. It looks, yeah. Exactly, it works in a mysterious <laughs> way. It's like, it's like you know, and it's like not all the power. time. Yeah, yeah, it's not all the time either. It's just like randomly on the export. I'm like, well, I'm glad this isn't a huge file because yeah. I don't have to sit that long. But it also, yeah. And then some exports will take longer. Also, I don't know if you've ever like published it to the Descript website and then downloaded uh, it from that. I don't do that. It. To me, it's done instantly. Like, well, once really? it's published, once it actually publishes mm. to the to the website, it takes long to publish. For me, it takes long to like do the publish, which is why I don't do it because then you have to go to the browser. But yep. when I just download it from the browser that it publishes to, it's the fastest download. I'm like, really? this doesn't make much sense. But I did hear a Descript update from I believe it it's the 
CEO and founder said something about they're coming out soon with a full uh, browser capability uh, descriptive version. Yeah, it just came out. And that's supposedly his words were, you know, not a direct quote, but his words were that it's way more stable than the actual app for some reason, he said. And I was like, and he didn't even sound sure why it was the case. And I don't know why, but I thought that was interesting. My guess is I think Descript is built wholly on browser. So like, even though it's an app, but it's a, it's a browser app, I guess. So when you do it in actual browser, maybe it's a little bit stable that way. I I, I don't know. I don't know. It's the back end of that. It just came out today, but anything. It just came out today. Yep, just came out today. Uh-huh. Uh, this morning, I believe. Uh, hmm. At least for me, uh, I think they said they're gonna roll out, but I'm not sure how that works. But uh, I'm not sure how much I can trust browser. So let's say if you downloaded it, you're working, you have to do it remotely. You're like, I'm going to podcast movement. Now I want to do it there. What ha- What if you have bad internet connections? Does it still work? Does it still take your files locally? Yeah, you know? I don't know, and. But if it's more stable, I'm like, I'll do that trade-off. And that seems to be a lot of Descript is it's fantastic and there's trade-offs. And it's like, the, do the trade-offs outweigh doing it a different way? You know, yeah. I'm stuck on but, transcript-based editing now. Like, I, I don't really want to go another way. I don't want to look at no, more like waveforms. Trans- yeah, trend, transcriptions, uh, text-based editing, it's great. For, for I mean, for podcasting especially, you know, like, you yeah. know, it's, you know what, you don't have to listen to everything. Just look at yeah. it, read it. Oh, there's the issues. Let's cut it, blah, blah. And then, you know, you can do a very exact cut from words to words. But I mean, obviously, it's only for podcasting. For music, it's a whole different story. But yeah, I, 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 my guess is there's no other software out there like this script. Premiere, just, uh, Premiere Pro just came out, the text-based editing. But yeah. it doesn't take multi-track. Like, it's so it's looking yeah. at the highest level, highest layer, of the tracks and then it transcribed that if that tracks has uh, a silence then it will bring in the second tracks for that for that silence durations then they go back to the top layer so that's still no multi-track no good multi-track text by editing other than yeah, and uh, maybe just like this i don't know well they yeah well from what i've seen and in, in experienced it seems like nobody has gotten as much of a head start as descript and so yeah. They are just a bit better at it. But, you know, like you and I have a a good understanding of like, there's a lot of technology at play when we're looking at these things. And Descript is also using, and they're like funded by OpenAI with ChatGPT. Like, you know, so they're, they're integrated, like they're, they're built in, they're partially using AI. And so that's also a part of it too. And so there's just like so many little tools. I would not want to, have to like work in that environment of like the production of like a tool like that, because it's just like, there's so much and it's probably always one thing breaks another thing. Like it's a lot of work, but where it's at currently is exciting. One thing with this script, I think they keep trying to push new features. So they didn't really optimize for older features. They just keep trying to push new features. There's a lot of the tools, a lot of even games out there. They just trying to push more features and features. I'm like, just fix whatever that's not broken, make it better, make it stable. Then you go to the next step. Uh, that's why, I like, uh, that's why sometimes you sometimes you know we are mad at Apple. Like, oh, there's no difference between iPhone 11, and iPhone 12, iPhone 12 to the iPhone 13. That's very small increment. But 
every time they introduce new features, they will make sure the next, when they come up with the next iPhone or next iOS, the feature is, is stable and usable before have like crazy fe- new features. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. at least, and you know, you know, they're reliable. Yeah. And optimizing for video files, audio files, okay. the transcriptions, the accuracy of those, you know, yeah. like just that level of detail and preciseness needed to me is like so much. And I'm just like, I'm grateful for that it works, but I still have found that I, I feel like the precision I can make in like a final cut video is much faster when it comes to like precise edits uh, than I could make in descript. And I haven't actually found like a clear reason. It's just from making so many videos in both um, yeah. that I just well, don't think it's as good, but my guess is, uh, yeah, I think they're still not great at breaking up one word. So let's yeah. say the is notifications. If you look at the waveform, we know how to work around the edit. When we look at text base, the notifications, maybe you cut the TI out, but the cut is at O or like C or something like that. So it wasn't like very precise. Like this waveform is this, uh, syllables, that syllables, that syllables. But if yeah. we if we look at a uh, waveform as, as a train engineer, or if you edit stuff uh, long enough, that's why I said like editing voiceover actually saved my life, uh, saved me so much time because recording voiceover, we just have to look at waveform, right? We have to guess what waveform is what word, so we sort of have to learn how to uh, read it. So yeah, so re- like recording voiceover give us the abilities to be able to look at the waveform. We know exactly what the syllables are. Yeah, 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 it is handy. And then that that skill also, it feels maybe not as much needed if someone was just primarily using Descript, but it is important to have and just get comfortable with. And it feels like one of those things that also just comes with time and, and the more experience yeah. you get, like the time doing it. Um, one thing I want to highlight that I was thinking about earlier that, you know, someone that's listening to this and they're like, you know, maybe they're doing a lot themselves and they want to get better at doing themselves. Um, one thing that a lot of people have a problem with is outsourcing and the person that they're outsourcing to saving them actual time versus just becoming a new thing that they're now. Well, I, instead of outsourcing this project, I'm really just managing the person that's doing it for me. And it's not really saving me as much time as I thought it would. So I'm just going to keep doing it myself, maybe because they partially like it, but it's not actually going to get them to the next level because they don't have as much time to, to really put forth to it, if that makes sense. Um, and so one of the things when you were talking about what you did with James is what I, I kind of noticed is like, you're just saving him a bunch of time, but you're making the, you're, you're making decisions that I'm I'm making an assumption here, but making decisions that like he couldn't probably make because he doesn't have the experience that you have. So there's a part that makes the relationship work that he can just trust you in what you're doing and not have to spend a bunch of time doing that. Did you just like from the get go, like make decisions? Like how did that, um, how did that work? Well, he doesn't have to look at the files. So anything on the DAW, he has no he has no idea if we are recording multi track. So whatever decisions that I'm making, the you know the post production engineer 
have to like take it, you know. And also, that's no harm of having more files, you know. Yeah, it's take more time to download, but you have more references. Um, so he doesn't he when you come to technology, even though he he said this all the time, even though he went to like school for computer science, but he doesn't know how to turn on a computer, <laughs> you know. But uh, so like he trusts us and trust our ability to be able to perform and to be able to make him sound as good as possible. So in that sense, he's very trusting because he knows what we are doing. He trusts the professional's opinion. Uh, and a lot of time, if you're just a podcast host, if you have a team with you, a technical team with you, there are some uh, there's something that you need to know. Like, uh, I, I remember I wrote this on Twitter, like, hey, there's some terms I need to know. You need to know what is gain, what is volume, what is off axis, and this thing. You need to know all this thing, all, all like maybe four or five terms. That's it. You don't even, you, you, if you don't have to deal with the back end, like uh, any side of the tech stuff, thinking about it only stress you out. You know, if you think about like, oh no, I hear one click here. Oh no, I will hear another click there. Oh, why am I? engineer doesn't do this you just have to trust them and let them do their job so and then you know trust the engineer has the the best in, you know your best intentions in their heart to make it sound as good as possible i'm not sure if that makes sense i hopefully that hopefully that answer your questions that does yeah that does make a lot of sense and that trust i think is the key word that trust in that you have someone that has your back too you know like at your skill level and with james skill level like there's just just recognizing that like, Hey, you got it. And if that trust isn't yeah. there, like if you're not sure that the person that you're handing over something to, like they're not going to make you look good uh, or they're not going to like catch something, you know, that is, there's just not, uh, there's not trust. So it makes it but a I, lot harder. I do have to say that I felt like the heart, the trust is harder to come by this day. Every, I'm not sure if you realize this, I felt like everyone's calling themselves a podcast editor now. Whether they whether they are audio guy, whether they whether they are they have experience or no experience, they just call themselves a audio editor. And then you listen to their files, you you listen to the to the files, you're like, what? Why is this in mono? You know, and and or are you listening to the so called uh, podcast editor, uh, their files like, uh, why is why is why why is the music so much louder? Why is the music? It's not balanced. Why? Why is no DS running? Why? Why? When you turn down the volume, all you can hear is the sibilance. You know, so yeah. So I felt like because everyone is remote now, it's. I felt like the trust is harder to come by. For sure, yeah. And I've noticed that people kind of like will do other things in this. See, podcast editing is like a side job, um, but it's not to say that like it's also skill level of what you're paying for too. If like you don't have a budget that could accommodate like someone with this skill level and what, you know, they deserve to be paid for the work that they're putting in, you know, like some simple things I did notice, like I, I've, I've, I even like catch myself on the mono thing. It's something I think that just stems back to the earlier days of podcasting. That was like something that just stuck. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is the thought of there's not really music on these tracks and it's just well, talking. Let me ask you this. Let me mm -hmm. ask you this. So let's have a let's let's I have a discussion on mono. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I love audio. Let's have a let's have a discussion between mono and stereo. Do you think it's necessary for podcasts? 
to any podcast to be a uh, show to be to be stereo, or does it is it better for them to be mono? I don't. I'm just curious what you think. Yeah. Well, I think I think it depends. Like, are we talking like one person speaking? Just one person? Yeah, even one person speaking with music. So, so all the podcasts right now they have music, you know, music, uh, and then even one person talking, two person talking, and then they have ads, and then they have outro. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So do you think it should be stereo <laughs> or do you think in mono? Um, I think. Well, I'm always thinking like listener habits, or like how. Especially like the type of podcast it is, um, I don't feel like a strong pull in either. I don't, f- I don't, I don't feel like. Unfortunately, I don't feel much of a like passionate um, one way or the other. Like I don't have a big okay. preference, unfortunately. Be- mainly because, you know, when I like, I think of speed and I think of quickness. I definitely. Well, just this week, I had to fix a client's. Uh, something uh, audio and video files because they were only um, they were panned all the way to the right somehow, whatever they were. um, (laughs) So that was, that was interesting. Someone, and it was like a music, it was a meditation. I was like, okay, well that obviously we need, we need to hit uh, something there. But um, when it comes to podcasts, I, I heard like, I kind of verge on the side of like speed and agility and I don't really care too much honestly as long like that to me that's like priority wise pretty low but that's the longest way of saying like i don't really care as long as it sounds <laughs> as as long as a bunch of other stuff sounds good before that right. um but what do you I, what do you think i think you do have a point i prefer stereo uh because i'm very strong on uh audio branding you mm-hmm. know so Same, yeah even uh, so uh, we have sub series called Wall Street Insane, and then we use a whole different music and then a whole different thing. So when I edit intro, even though we buy the music from premium uh, premium beats or whatever, because sometimes you know you, you just want you just want it to come up fast. You do want to like have some people customly make music for you. Um, so after I get the music, I will edit them and then I will mix. Oh, I, I will mix them and then I will usually put in some sort of sound effects to to sort of signal that, hey, this is for this podcast. So the Wall Street Insane, we have a R&B, a hip-hop music bed, and then I will put in this, the, the siren sound effect because the show is about people being caught during the Wall Street time, hedge funds, you know, scamming people and stuff like that. So I want the siren so that, you know, they get, uh, you know, they get, uh, they get caught. And then the siren has the effect, uh, has, has the, uh, what do you call that? Uh, it's got Doppler effects. It's like when the, mm-hmm. when the car goes, it's called Doppler effects. Yeah. So pan left and right. So for, so because of that element, I have it on stereo. So that when people listen to that, people listen to the siren first, I'm like, okay, this is Wall Street Insane. This is the James that sounds show. Cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But and like- then just talking i'm like i don't know but like anytime you start to add in those more elements to it i'm like oh that goes that takes like something that's okay like cool but then it makes it like really cool you know yeah it's sometimes even just a subtle subtle effects you know you you want you want so like everything has to have a concept right you want someone that like even though they are they don't actively think about it it's like an easter egg it's like you subconsciously hear it or subconsciously feel it like okay oh well why i didn't realize this and then people talk about it i'm like oh wow that's cool it's like when you watch a movie 
like uh, I just watched recently uh, the Doctor Strange, the Madness of uh, Multiverse. Apparently, on the uh, on uh, what's her name, uh, Elizabeth Warren's character, uh, Elizabeth Warren, sorry, uh, Elizabeth, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 what's her last name? Olsen, Elizabeth okay. Olsen's uh, character, uh, Wanda has on, in the costume has some sort of scar or whatever. Uh, and then people are like, oh, this actually mean that she's heartbroken because she lost all this thing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So like, if you add some of those nuances, like, you know, you're like, it's a, like you take your podcast to the next level. So yeah. So, so having all those little sub, uh, sound effects, uh, put it in stereo and then put it 128 kilobits. People listening on a headphones anyway. Do you, do you really need it to be like 320 kilo, uh, kilo, uh, kbps, you know? for mp3 yeah no right yeah well i think like i guess my philosophy behind it is i want people to notice that it's high quality and not have to be like this is exactly why they might not even be able to put their finger on why like kind of like you said like they just enhances if the audio branding but anything that's done should like just keep and maintain that high level of quality standard but anything that's like done that would knock that down or take them out of like that this feels like it to be immersed in it, you know, like full immersion in the experience to me is like the goal. And, and if stereo helps that, I think, and especially in the case of like certain sound effects, uh, I think is so like important to do so, which stereo makes sense. But yeah, when it's like, let's just say a zoom call or, or just like a simple conversation, that's being done and I'm like, there's like stereo, you know, there people are listening yeah. on their AirPods and they're just kind of like going about their day and it's just a business conversation or something. I'm like, I don't know. Um, I think you're yeah, right. If, if their music doesn't contribute to any audio branding, doesn't have yeah. any effects that require it, then yeah, I get it. But the, the, I think that running mono is, you might also run into uh, issues with music, especially is facing issues. Mm-hmm. So the facing issues means, when so in regular music is some elements pan left some elements pan right and then you have that uh reverb whatever and then sometimes when you sum it up into mono some frequency from the left and right might clash and then it might we call it the phasing issues and it sounded a little bit washy and it sound like very tiny so when you do when you do sum into mono I felt like they have to beware of okay, maybe maybe they have to do it from the multi-track level rather than having the stereo track and sum it to mono because you want to make sure it still sounds good. That's at least yeah. that's why I think. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, definitely. And that yeah, that that is a consideration. Question because um I want to be respectful of your time. Uh how- oh, I, I I have all the time, so I love talking about <laughs> all your stuff. Yeah. I do too. Uh how do you work with people and how can like someone's listening, they're like, okay, obviously he knows what he's talking about. How do you work with people? Ah oh, man, this is the hard question it's because I felt like I should have a website, but I don't have a website. I'm thinking about building a website, but I don't have to. But uh you can, you know, you can reach out you can reach out to me on Twitter for sure. Uh my Twitter handle is uh Oh, not Twitter anymore. It's called X now. It's X, called X yeah. now. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. You can reach out to me on X. That sounded kind of weird. But, sounds uh, weird. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, is, like a illegal thing. I know. It sounds like a, <laughs> like a 
like a weird website that no one should go to. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, my handle is J A Y underscore Y O W zero seven. So it's J Yao underscore zero seven. Then you should see my name pop up, J D Engineer, or you can hit me up on Instagram. It's the same handle as J A Y underscore Y O W zero seven. And then you should see my name, uh, J U Jun Yao, pop up. So that's how. Yeah, but uh, let me ask you: What do you run your SM seven? Into a cloud lifter? No, not with the new Roadcaster Duo. I did previously when I had the first Roadcaster or a couple other, like the Scarlet, if I was right. Uh, but the Roadcaster Duo, um, from everything I've learned with the Revolution preamps, it has that in- using a cloud lifter actually introduces some noise. Oh, yeah. That's so weird. no cloud lifter straight into it, and uh, and it's good. And it's great, actually. Huh. Yeah, because uh, for like some others interface, even though you know, like some interface that their preamps still have still able to power it, even though they're able to power it, I still use Cloudlifter because I'm not sure if you if you if you uh, notice, Cloudlifter introduces a different sound into your SM7. Yes, yeah. Cloudlifter make the sound a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more like. In your face. That's why. That's why. Like, even though SSL can power it, uh, you know, or Focusrite can power it, I still use Cloudlifter because Cloudlifter, the circuit or the transformer, give it a different sound. Yeah, yeah. And I played around with a couple of them. Um, what's the other one? I'm got other the gear S- in my brain right now. The SE uh, Electronic. Maybe that one. I, I've, I've messed around with a couple of them just to kind of experiment with that sound too that it introduces. But I've been really happy with just like the Roadcaster uh, effects and, and preamps and been happy with it. I did find that um, I, I think I kept with the Vocaster when I was using the Focusrite mm. Vocaster that I still did use the Cloudlifter, even though I didn't have to. I just like the sound with it on. Um, but with the Roadcaster Duo, I don't, I don't, I don't like it, I guess. And and I then think, I heard I that think, thing about the noise. I was like, let's take it off. Yeah. I think that's the difference between uh, us and regular people, right? Regular people are like, oh yeah, enough gain. We didn't need sculpture. For us, it's like, we want that sound. We want that sound. Yeah. That, that, that sound sounds cool. That sounds make it more, f- make it fuller. Yeah. I, I say yeah. regular people. <laughs> yeah. And there's the, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's like the Suyos. Suyos. S. Suyos, uh, it's like the. Oh, 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 uh, I don't know why I can't say Suyo. the name. Listen, Suyos, Suyos. So, why can't it? Suzu- it's a microphone, right, or something? Yeah, they they also uh, they also have like a, a similar um, thing like the cloud lifter, but it introduces like a more analog, warm sounding like a oh, tape yeah, the, almost sound. I was like, ooh. Okay. Is it the the Suyos the launcher inline active preamp? Is that the one? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was like, oh, I want to play yeah, with that, right. but but I haven't, and I'm just like, you know what? I just I have enough gear. I want some other toys. <laughs> uh, but, Almost yeah. as expensive as a Cloudlifter. Is it worth yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I think the Suyo's one is a bit more from with the one I'm looking at. It's like uh, two hundred thirty dollars. Yeah, two thirty. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, I still like Cloudlifter. I so I have a I so before I moved down to Georgia, um, I sometimes I do uh, recording. I want I go to the I go to I 
I call it the Uncle Locations podcast recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a case, I have a, a root case that I build it uh, with. So in the root case, I have the Ensemble, a Poggio Ensemble, mm-hmm. into four channel of Cloudlister, the rack. Nice. And then nice. I have everything already patched. So when I go there, and then because sometimes you, you don't know how many people you're recording. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I will have the four SM7 ready to go, and if they need more tracks, yeah, because uh, I think a Zombo can have up to eight tracks, and then just use the regular preamp. Um, but yeah, sometimes they would want the audience, uh, audience uh, voice to audience tracks. So, like, mm-hmm. then I will have three, three tracks with that, with that yeah. Uh, rack. Yeah, we're gonna have to do a part two and dive into like <laughs> something more specific. Even I don't know think about sure. that. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jay. It's been oh, an yeah, honor welcome. and pleasure.